I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at onepeloton.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com acast and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com acast. Being the first black woman to be in the mainstream press as a cartoonist, I kind of felt like I was, um, you know, they're like, you broke down the door. I was like, I broke down the door and then I stood in the doorway. <laughs> I was like, because there I was. And they weren't about to take another black woman cartoonist, you know. We already have Barbara, you know. And, and you feel like, you feel like, wow, this is this kind of, it, it's not all good. It kind of stinks. I'm Jordan Kistner, and you're listening to Thresholds, a weekly series of free-ranging conversations with writers and artists about moments of epiphany or transformation that changed their lives and their work, a moment that they stepped across like a threshold into something new, and the way that experience changed everything they wrote afterwards. Quick note. I, Jordan, am taking a brief break from hosting this spring to work on some other projects. And while I am off mic, we are really lucky to have Mira Jacob occupying the interviewer seat. Mira is a novelist, a graphic memoirist, and an all-around brilliant mind and excellent conversationalist. She was our very first Thresholds guest, and I have never stopped wanting to listen to her talk. I also was excited by who she wanted to talk to for these shows. I'll be back later in the spring, but until then, Mira's got the host mic. Barbara Brandencroft is the creator of the comic strip Where I'm Coming From, and she became the first nationally syndicated African-American female cartoonist. She also did a slew of other things while doing this, lived a life in which she said yes time and time again to so many things, things that bubbled up over the entirety of this interview. And In this time where I feel like so many of us are told that we have to be really, really good at one thing and just hone our practice and hone our practice, and that is, in fact, something I have done, there's something so incredible about hearing from somebody who is just willing to try it all and iterate and iterate over and over again, never done, never not curious about what the next iteration will bring. I went to see if I could get a job at a magazine called Elan, and I took a portfolio. I took my writing samples from, I was a fashion reporter from Retail News, and I didn't know what I could do for them, but I wanted them to hire me. (laughs) So I was like, I will do anything you need. I even have a portfolio because I I draw, and um, and the Maria Marie Brown, who is the editor in chief, who's this iconic um, literary agent now, um, asked me, she's like, well, you draw and you're funny. Maybe you can do a comic strip. And I was like, ding. And I walked out of that place a new person because I was like, you know what? I, I know I can do that. I've seen it done all my life. And it, it, my life would have taken a whole nother turn had I not had that experience. Did she know that your father was a cartoonist or was it something that she was just putting together on the spot where she's like, you have these wonderful drawings and you're hilarious? <laughs> you know, I, I often question that. I haven't had a chance to ask her because in my head, she did not know. But um, but also, I know my dad had a certain level of um, fame. He was one of the pioneer black cartoonists and he was in a paper in New York. Um, well, it was the Long Island paper, so maybe she didn't. 
I really honestly don't know. I mean, um, either way, it's right. it's not as though it's a given, right? That just because your father can do something, you can also do it. I mean, my father's a heart surgeon and nobody would ever want me near their heart. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but also, you know, in, in, in looking at it that way, also, if my dad had been a truck driver and somebody said, you think you can do a comic strip? I might not have said yes. You know, I it was something about having that role model. Um, you know, made it all come together. For the longest, I had no idea. I had no real direction. I was just doing things I liked. So you hadn't done, you hadn't, for example, tried your own comic strip before this? No. I mean, when I was a kid, uh, my friend Leslie and I, um, you know, we're seven years old, six years old. I've known her since I was four. But um, we used to come up with little books, you know, like, in, in the comics, we're like, uh, have you ever seen a toilet bowl? And it's like, you drew this toilet at a bowling alley. You know, it's like, <laughs> come on. <laughs> I, 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 was, I would actually say, no, I've never tried cart- cartooning before. But, you know, as a kid, I did try some things. So when you, so when that happens, right, someone says to you, can you draw a comic? Have you ever thought about this? And what you said, yes, I can. I did. I said yes immediately. Um, and then I walked out and said, wow, I just said I was going to do something that I've never done. And I came home. I was still living at home. Um, I was one of those. And um, my dad was like, wait, one of those. Wait, when we say one of those, we mean a person that went to live at home after they got out of school? Yes. Okay. (laughs) There go we all. Yes, go on. (laughs) So I I came home and I said, Dad, you know, they said that they wanted me to come up with a comic strip for their magazine. And he's like, well, he had by this time he had built a studio in the basement. He said, go down there and work on some ideas. And that's what I did. And it took me weeks and weeks, um, a little too long, apparently, because by the time I had something that I was prepared to show, um, I called up and is that when the magazine folded? I mean, before I had a chance to be published, the magazine folded. What? So Yes, yes. So here I had this idea that I thought was great. And, um, you know, she thought it was great. She said it. She's like, oh, do some more. And that's how it went. I brought it in after weeks. And she said, I like these. Can you do more? We can see how we can paste it in the magazine over the year. And I was like, sure. And I came back and I did, you know, a total of 10, I think. And um, brought them in or called to make an appointment. And they said, I guess you didn't hear the magazine folded. I was like, oh, oh. I was like, oh no. What? Um, yes. Oh no. So this is 1982. So I'm like, so I had this comic strip and I had nowhere to um, have it on display. Um, and that's when I called Essence. And I was like sending it to them. I sent them the very same package that I put together. So, okay, wait, let's back yeah. up a minute. Okay. What, let, let's talk about when you say these, and you you have to come up with a comic strip, what do you come up with? Ah. Um, so my idea was, I knew my audience um, was Black women, primarily. It was a Black women's magazine. And I was like, maybe I can have just characters um, talking directly to the reader. Um, and I'm going to say that I stole that from Pfeiffer because that's what I did. I loved Jules Pfeiffer, and I used to read that in the um, in the Village Voice. And um, I liked the idea when he he didn't always do this, but on occasion he would have the character speak directly to the reader, and I thought that was great. Um, so I I kind of stole that, and um, and I just decided I wanted to have these talking heads, and it and and it was called where I'm coming from because it was where this particular character was coming from. And my idea was to have a different character. I didn't have it like I ultimate how it ultimately became. You know, these nine characters. I was going to have a different character every time I did the strip. That's that was my plan. So here's this woman talking about what's on her mind, and you don't know much about her. You know, you're just talking to her. You don't, she's not in an environment. You don't know where she lives. You don't know how, what her size is. You don't know anything about her. You just know what's going on in her head. And that was the idea. And they're like, oh, we like it. And when I started, it was just floating heads. It wasn't even hands. Um, oh, okay. I only added those later because I could, um, uh, to add, um, you know, uh, how you feel. You know, I'm trying to say 
No, <laughs> this is a, <laughs> I was just to make that to be more. Um, I can't think of the word. Expressive. But expressive. That's a simple word. Come on, Barbara. <laughs> I wanted to. Yes, I wanted to use the hands to make them more expressive. I could exaggerate their feelings through their hands. I mean, I also have to say, as a as a brown person, I feel like brown and black people talk halfway through their hands as yes. well. Right. Yes. Yes. That's how you're going to understand really what we mean. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I mean, I always call it my my ethnic hands, my ethnic hands, which are constantly, you know, flailing across the table at people. But um, OK. So and I've seen these comics and they're they are really beautiful. One of the things that is so captivating about them is they are heads and hands. And usually they feature two women talking to each other. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's usually a conversation between two women. Yeah. And so you come up with this idea that it's going to be, you think it's going to be this constantly changing, it's constantly going to be two different characters or no, is that? The, initially, um, I was just going to have that one character. So it was going to be where I'm coming from, this one character talking. Um, it evolved into um, having them talk to each other. Um, but I still wanted to keep that same intimacy, you know, like as if you're eavesdropping on their conversation, you know, they're they're just talking to each other and the reader is eavesdropping instead of being talked to directly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I know something about that. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Okay. So you, you go to Essence with this. Yes. And what happens there? Um, so I send it and I get um, the initial response was like, this is good. Um, and we have these meetings every Monday, I think it was, where we talk about what changes we might do in the magazine. Um, so like every Monday I was calling, I was like, did you talk about doing a comic strip yet? You know, and ultimately I did that for weeks. And ultimately I was told that um, while they liked it, they did not think it fit their editorial um, makeup at the, that moment in time. Um, and they were like, so you're not making it as a cartoonist. What do you do? And I was like, well, I'm a fashion reporter. And it just turned out that the, their fashion and beauty writer um, was pregnant and getting ready to go on maternity leave. And they asked me if I wanted to take a test for that job, you know, just to come in for four months. And I said, yeah, I do. I said, even though I know nothing of beauty, nothing. And um, they're like, we can teach you. I was like, okay. And I took the test wow. and they liked it. <clears throat> and I got the gig for four months. So I quit my job. Of course, that's what you do. <laughs> You're going to do this for four months and everything's going to be fine. And, and as it turned out, um, it was fine. I was there for um, five and a half years Wow! Um, as, as the fashion beauty writer. And I got to travel. I met so many great people. There's a, oh, so many smart women that work at Essence. Um, I made a lot of good friends. You know, it was all good. Wait, can I just just to just to back up for a second? So you go for your first interview at Elan, and you show them this is the kind of writing I can do, and they say, "Can you be a cartoonist?" Right. Yes. So you come yeah. up with a bunch of cartoons, and then you go to Essence with your cartoons, and you say, "Here are what I have. I have all these cartoons," and they're like, "That's great. Can you write for us?" <laughs> yes, yes, that's exactly how it went. <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> that's amazing. It's yes. also it's also really interesting that for most times you just said yes. I, yeah. Oh, I say yes all the time. <laughs> I, I fall into all kinds of uh, all kinds of jobs and gigs. Oh, all let's the time. go. Okay, tell me about that. <laughs> I mean, if somebody says, you know, so you know, I guess I'm going to jump ahead a little bit, and that is that when you start um, being published, you know, you have to have a lot of papers to be to make it as a living. So I needed to do other jobs. So um, somebody would say, you know, because I knew people in the industry this photographer needs an assistant. Can you think you could do that? It's like, yes. <laughs> I had never been a photographer's assistant. And, 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 and then I'd be a, like a second assistant. So really I was like taking care of the studio, <laughs> making sure people had coffee when they needed it, you know, that kind of thing. Or, you know, holding up a reflector. Um, but I, would, I, you know, I worked at sample sales. I worked behind the scenes uh, of fashion shows. Um, and that's just because of the people that I knew or that I was introduced to. So, you know, for years, I, I loved doing the, um, being behind the scenes as a, um, you're like an assistant to the stage manager. And um, so, you know, basically, I think 
I call this um, model herders. You know, like you make sure the, the model is in line. For the, the next person needs to go down. Okay, have them in line. Model um, herders. <laughs> that's what I was. I was a model herder, and um, I, so many things. I'm, I'm trying to think of some other things. I, but I would do anything that somebody said. I I just say yes. I can do that. And wait, Barbara, you said you get you get something in a few papers, and you've yeah. got to and you've got to make a living. So does this mean that the comic had been picked up? Yeah. Um, by that time, well, you know what? I got the one newspaper. I got um, Detroit Free Press. That's one paper. Okay. And, and that's while I was working at Essence. And I was like, I'm going to be a cartoonist. And I quit. I was like, my mom was like, are you crazy? What about health insurance? I was like, eh. You know, it's like, <laughs> I'm going to be a cartoonist. <laughs> you cannot make it on one paper. Um, so I... Um, was out of a job, but I was making $75 a week with my comic strip, and I was a professional comic cartoonist. And not only that, I had um, broken the color line. I was now the first black woman to be in the mainstream press newspaper. Wow. Um, so um, I was, I just knew things were going to go fine. Um, that's when I tried to get a syndicate because I knew I needed that too. I, and I wouldn't have known that without my dad. He was syndicated and... Um, that's, I know that's, I just knew that about the business. Um, Wait, so how did that go? Well, I knew that when you have, um, when you try and, what syndicates do is they, um, they're basically your agent. They go out and sell your comic to all these newspapers. And they already have relationships with these newspapers. And they send press kits on these comic strips they're trying to sell. So I put together a press kit on my comic strip and I sent it to the syndicates. and. Um, and I kind of dared them. I was like, hey, you, you haven't had any new black cartoonists in a long time. And you never had a black woman. What's happening? You know, here, I have a strip. I am published. Here it is. Um, you know, I kind of called them out. Yeah. <laughs> and they rejected me. <laughs> <laughs> except, for, except for Universal Press Syndicate. Um, and Lee Salem. I, I I miss him so. He passed away, but um, he was my advocate, man. He 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 was like he was the editorial director, and he liked it, and um, gave me a development deal. Um, so I was doing it for Detroit. Um, I was doing what other jobs I could do. <laughs> so when uh, you got rejections, mm -hmm. let me just ask you: When yeah. you got rejections, mm -hmm. did they tell you why they were rejecting them? Well, um, um, at least four or five of them were just kind of form letters. Like, oh, thanks for sending this. You know, we don't like it enough, or you know, send I hate something the form. Else. I hate the form rejection. Okay, oh, all right. Yeah, but I did get a really nice long one <laughs> from uh, King Features, and um, and they told me why, um, and some of why was that you know we don't think we can sell this because you just have um, women. You just have black women. You just have heads. You need environments. You need bodies. Um, you need to make it a daily. Um, you need to change it, basically. And um, I was like, okay, thank you. But, you know, I appreciate you telling me why and taking time to write, you know, a, a page and a half, <laughs> why it's not going to work. Um, and, and I had, um, you know, Universal Press in my pocket. You know, they were already saying, yeah, we like this. We think we're going to go ahead with this. Wow. Yeah. Wow. They gave me a development deal. And okay. That's when, and and uh, King Features um, did come back. Because once you once somebody wants you, you know, the person yes. who rejected you wants to come back. <laughs> and and I was yes. like, yeah, it's, it happens all the time in so many forms. Um, but so, you know, I took a lunch, had a nice lunch. I knew I was sticking with Universal Press. But... Um, I didn't go with King. It's a, a huge, old syndicate and um, could have been, you know, might have been nice. But um, Universal um, got me off uh -huh. the bat, you know. So I was like, there's no way I'm, I'm jumping ships. No way. Yeah. And so you, you have this out, right? You're doing, and you're, are you still, you're still working other jobs or you're, you're now you're like, no, I'm full-time cartoonist. This is what I can do. <laughs> um, so I get, I get in the one paper, I quit, I quit Essence. Um, mm -hmm. And then I was like, okay, maybe I do need a job. And um, so I threw out some um, resumes. 
And um, I ended up working at Women's Wear Daily as um, a features editor, fashion features editor. Wow. And um, yeah. And, you know, this is very shallow of me, but I always wanted to be able to say I worked at Women's Wear Daily. I thought that was cool. I mean, that is cool. I would do the same thing. That's a pretty yes. cool thing. Also, so, I love that these are like the side jobs that you're failing yes. upward in such a spectacularly amazing way. <laughs> it is kind of wild when you think about it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, man. But, so here I am at, at Women's Wear Daily, you know, six weeks in, um, the syndicate said, okay, I had been doing that um, – development deal. And they said, okay, we're going to, we're going to, um, we're going to go with you. We are going to start selling it. And um, <laughs> I got two newspapers. I can't remember where they were. They were middle America. And um, I was like, now I'm, I quit again. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> I've got three papers. I'm quitting. I'm, this is me. I'm going to be a cartoonist. And um, you know, that time it, it, it worked out. I mean, I still had to do jobs, um, but I, it was on my own terms, you know, you know, working at a sample sale, um, you work for a week and then you're up, you know, it's a seasonal thing, you know, you work and don't work. Um, so I, I, I was doing things like that because again, three papers aren't enough. And actually I don't live that large. So when it was, uh, there was a period of time when I could just do the comic strip. It was a weekly, it was doing two strips every other week. and. Um, you know, that gave me a lot of space, you know. I had a lot of space to do other jobs. And there were times that I didn't have to hustle as hard, you know, because I had, I don't know, I was going into the 60s, number of papers in the 60s. And I was like, okay, I don't, I don't have to hustle. I can, I can just do this. And then they start to decline and you start hustling again. <laughs> so if you, have, if, you, if you have something going into 60-ish papers, is that what you were just saying? Yes. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Do you start hearing from people about the comic? Do you start getting an idea of how people are receiving it at that point? Oh, sure. Yeah. Um, I started hearing back from people when I was in one paper in um, Detroit. Okay. Yeah. Um, and a lot of it was um, really favorable and encouraging. Um, you know, women saying, oh, you said just what I was thinking. You know, I was, this is what I, this is exactly how I felt about that, you know. And you know, that was really encouraging. And I was like, oh, good. This is good. But, you know, you also get the folks who are like, um, why, is, why are you anti-men? You know, I was like, what? What are you talking is it, about? Wait, were you anti-men just because, because uh, just the because comic I'm strip a woman. was women? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but also, I mean, the comic strip features women, right? Yes. Does and it then, feature any it, men? No. Um, I, you, only see, you only see women. Um, you hear men. Um, so, like, they may be on the phone with, with um, a guy. Yeah. But, um, like... I'll just say that somebody wrote me and said that I was anti-men. And I was like, well, if you really notice what I do is I talk about a specific man, you know, like, so, you know, Jackie's boyfriend was Victor, you know, Sonia's boyfriend was Kenny, you know, Cheryl's boyfriend was Maurice. So, I, and, and then, you know, if I talked about other men, I do just names mostly, you know, I wouldn't say all men do this, all men do that. So I wrote him back and I said, if you don't, if you'd notice, um, I'm talking about a specific man um, who did this and this is how this woman responded to it. Um, now, if you see yourself in the man, not the men, but the man I was talking about, then I don't think you have a problem with me. I think it's your mirror. You know, it's like, Oof, th- yes, you know, it's yes. like, it's not me. <laughs> 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 ah, I love this. Okay, so you write that. Did you ever hear back from? No, the, I love no. it. <laughs> from Mister pointing the finger directly yeah. at himself, he just yeah. didn't. He was like, "Oh, oh, <laughs> clap back." <laughs> <laughs> oh God, I hope he got into therapy. Anyway, um, I mean, you really—that was like free therapy, by the way. Thank you for your service. Um, Amazing. Okay, so you start to hear back from people. You're getting you're getting feedback. It's at sixty papers. Then I imagine you're hearing a bit more. When are yeah. what what time? What years are we in now? Um, so when I was that, this is the '90s when I when I was getting in the most papers. So wow. I would say um, you know I got a lot of fanfare. I got a lot of attention from you know the publicity. I mean, like got a lot of publicity or 
the media paid a lot of attention to me when I first started because, you know, you make you become the first and that's, you know, ah, you know, people want to talk about it. Um, but and that I think that grew the amount of papers because I got all this notice. And then um, I guess so from 92 to, you know, 97, um, I was going pretty strong and I and I would get a lot of um, of letters. I'm not even going to say a lot because what is a lot now? You know, now when you can just, you know, pull out your phone and, I mean you, know, it, yeah. you know, start start the thumbs going, <laughs> yep. um, you know, people are just going to, it's just a knee-jerk reaction, um, you know, because clearly when I was doing stuff, if people really felt that strongly, which was very, when they sent positive things, that was a good thing because um, it took effort to, to, to do that. You had to find the paper. And the pen and the stamp. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and, and the and take envelope. It to, and the envelope. Good Lord. And find a mailbox, you know. <laughs> what is that? <laughs> Can we talk a minute for about being the first? Because I'm always I'm always really interested in this. So I'm um, Indian American. I also I do graphic work as well, and I I do novels. But I'm but I'm part of what is sort of the first part of the diaspora in America. And I'm often told by people in those rooms and in those situations, "Oh, you're the first. And I found it to be. Um, at first, I took great pleasure in it. And then after a while, it really started to grate on me um, for different reasons. But I'm curious about your experience of being the first. What was that like for you? You know, it, I, I, I hear you because um, it is complicated. Um, I liked, you know, the idea of being the first. I mean, it, it, some, something about, you know, your place in history, I guess. I, and, I, and I like history. Um, and I, I like, you know, and that that's something that can't be taken away from me because, you know, you're the first. And so there you are. But um, I did a, a strip early on um, about how um, it, how it's exciting but upsetting. It's like you know all these things are 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 um, it's like a double edged sword because the, the end of the thing she goes with all these things about it being so great and so bad that I'm the first black person and it's this day and age I'm the first black person to do this you know um, and I actually reran that strip ten years later. And and wow. it still worked. No, and then, yeah, oh, it still no. worked. And 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 I found, you know, going back to my dad's stuff, because um, you know my dad was prolific. But I saw that he did a, a early Luther, where that same it, it did the same thing, being the first black something. How bad, how how good and bad that is. And uh, I was like, wow, you know, me and my dad talking about the same thing, so many years apart. That happens a lot. But but to your point about. Um, my feeling about being the first. So I, I did feel that complicated way of, you know, um, good and bad and, you know, happy and ashamed, you know, that, that this was the case. But on top of that, I felt like being the first black woman to be in the mainstream press as a cartoonist, I kind of felt like I was, um, you know, they're like, you broke down the door. I was like, I broke down the door and then I stood in the doorway. <laughs> I was mm. like, cause there I was. Mm. And, they weren't about to take another black woman cartoonist, you know. We already have Barbara, you know, and and you feel like, you feel like, wow, this is this kind of, it, it's not all good. It kind of stinks, you know. I mean, I know that when I when they were trying to sell my strip, they would say, we already have Kathy, you know, we don't need where I'm coming from. I'm like what? Because um, <laughs> women, uh, yeah, those women, we got one already. We don't need another one. <laughs> And uh, and the same thing with, you know, black comic strips. You know, my dad went through it. You know, we already have Wee Pals. We don't need Luther, you know, and I got it. You know, we already have Curtis. We don't need where I'm coming from. Um, so I, I, I was well aware of the fact that even though I broke down the door, I was standing in the, in the way <laughs> for more. Yeah. yeah. For while I, mean, I was there. Yeah. It's an incredible thing, right, to, to have somebody um, look at you as... Uh, yours, yours is the experience. This is the experience. We now have the experience of all of you, 
right? All of all of the yous that you could possibly be, because now we've experienced one of you. Therefore, <laughs> exactly. you will speak for all of you. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I, I did a strip like that one of those times. It was. I, I think it had to do with um, uh, some something going on. I don't know. It could have been Mike Tyson or O.J. Simpson. Some some other something was going on. Something big. And a newscaster stopped. You know, she's talking about how a newscaster was on the road and said, tell us, how do black women feel about, about this situation? And she's like, um, I don't know all black women. <laughs> how, how do I know? <laughs> I don't speak for all black women. <laughs> I cannot, you know. I've got nine in my, nine characters, and, and that's not all. You know, that's, you know, come on. <laughs> but you have nine. Are you sure that's not all? <laughs> Oh, okay. So you have this strip and it's going out and it's in the 90s um, and people are having their reactions to it. And you are both representing yourself and, as you said, um, you know, opening the doorway and standing in it. Yeah. And then where do you go from there? Yeah. Where do you go from there? Um, So I just kept plugging, you know, I kept doing what I wanted, you know, what I was doing. And and as newspapers started um, diminishing um, and... We actually, as a, as the cartoon, you know, all the cartoonists at the syndicate got a letter, um, not an email, an actual letter that said, um, you know, newspapers are dying out and we don't know how sustainable this is going to be. Wow. Cartoonists. So they kind of, and that was early on, that was in the early 90s when they were saying that. And it was true. So like by the, <sighs> you know, 2000s, fewer papers um, were happening and I was needing to do some more work. and. Um, my friend Ruth uh, Manuel Logan, she, who I used to work with at Essence, was um, now um, a research director at, I think, Women's Day. Um, and she taught me all about fact-checking and how to fact-check. And, 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 and I started doing those gigs. I would, I would go from magazine to magazine um, fact-checking. Amazing. Um, by, now, now, by now, there was the Internet. So, you know, I could look things up. And I know what to, how to find a reliable source, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Because you can't just say I, I can found it on the internet. Uh-huh, um, uh-huh. But, you know, firsthand, you know, I, I, I knew how to work it. And, um, again, the papers were, were diminishing. And um, I ended up getting a gig at Parents Magazine, um, which was perfect because I, by this time I'm married and I have a, a kid, a baby, and um, I'm, I'm fact-checking at Parents Magazine. I'm telling you, Chase, that's my son, would not have known Santa Claus, like he did, <laughs> if I hadn't worked at Parents. I got so many freebies. I got toys. He was a toy tester. It was, it Wait, was great. what? That's a thing? He was a <laughs> toy a tester? Thing. Yes, yes. He wanted oh. to grow up and become a toy tester. Yes, he was a toy tester at nine. Yeah. <laughs> that's, like, that's the sweetest gig a kid has ever had in life. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> oh, my gosh. But so... So again, something fell into my, you know, can you do some fact check? It's like, yes, I, I, I can do that. Um, so I, I fell into that and um, the paper started diminishing. And I knew um, with a syndicate in your contract that says if, you're, if your papers fall below whatever the number is, um, then we can stop distributing you or you can say, I want to stop because this isn't worth Oof. it to me. Oh, yeah. yeah. And um, I, because it was Lee and because I, and, and I like to think it's because he liked what I was doing he, and he was the editorial director. Um, he kept me on for longer than he had to, you know, so, but we did have that lunch where, you know, he said, okay, so now we're going to stop. Um, but do you want to do something? You know, how about another one? How about a daily? You, you know, and he gave me another development deal and um, I came up with something I thought was kind of cute. But, you know, I wasn't feeling it through and through like I was with where I'm coming from. And they said, oh, we're going to pass. You know, you can try it somewhere else. And I didn't, I didn't take it any further. And, yeah, by now I was the research director at Parents. I wasn't just a freelancer. You know, I, st- I kept moving up. Amazing. But, yeah, yeah. I'm like, how does this even happen? I don't know. I love um, that you are so baffled by how this <laughs> Like, you are the most versatile-sounding human in the world where things come at you and you're like, I could try that. Why not? I'll do that. And you're like, how is this happening? It's happening because you're, you're like there with both hands being like, why don't I try this? <laughs> that's the way I felt. That's the way I do. That's, that's just how life 
comes to me and I just take it. I was like, this is good. Amazing. I love, I mean, it's, just, it's like, it's like manna from heaven to even hear this. Cause it just feels like if that's the way you're moving through the world, then there are so many possibilities, yeah, right? You, yeah. You think. Yeah. Well, cause I think one of the things that I often worry about, I don't know if, um, I don't know if this even gets to you, but one of the things I worry about is if I can't be a success in this thing that I have put it all in, then will I ever be happy? And then cor- corresponding with that also, by the way, is the success doesn't necessarily take away that nervousness, right? Yeah, success yeah. is like, this is, but this is just now. Yeah. And what about, <laughs> what about in three years? So yeah. it's this never ending chase for a kind of success in a career where you can't really measure your worth in that way. And yeah. yet, and yet I'm prone to doing it. And it doesn't sound like you are. Yeah, well, I, I don't, I don't look at it like that. I don't think, you know, yeah, no, um, let's, yeah tell yeah. me, tell me how you look at it. <laughs> I, I kind of, um, I, I, I look back on it and I'm like, wow, that was pretty hip. You know, that, that, that happened, but I, I've always been pretty open to, um, what's coming up. And, you know, even now, honestly, even now, and I had to teach myself again, I had to, I, I had to call on you know, a lot of times people say, what would you tell your younger self? I was like, you know what? I would like my younger self to talk to me because my younger self was so sure and didn't worry about anything. Um, I was a freelancer, you know, basically, because I'm, you know, I'm living off of newspapers and um, freelance for 15 years. I didn't have health insurance even. And um, my mom was mortified. You know, it's like, you have to have health insurance. And even people would say to me, how did you not have health insurance for 15 years? Didn't, didn't you get sick? And I was like, hmm, I don't know. I didn't go to the doctor. I could have been sick. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I don't know if I was or not. I don't think I was, but that's the, that's the way I lived. And I don't know. It, it just So I was going to say that even now. So I was working at Parents Magazine and um, a digital company bought the magazine. And they're like, oh, well, that's fine. We love print. You know, we're not doing anything, at least for 60 days. And then, you know, day 61, we're going to get rid of the print. <laughs> and they got rid of the entire staff. That's the first time, again, I'm without a, a gig, a job, you know. So, and and now I'm older. And now I have health stuff, you know. I, I started out with, you know, at 64, you have health things. Um, that need to be maintained, you know, and things like that. So, so it's important to have health insurance. So you have to figure out how to manage that. Um, and then I, I, I so I, I wish that younger one would, I'm, I'm trying to train myself to say, you know what, don't worry so much. Something is going to happen. Don't even think that you know what the next thing is, because maybe you don't, you know, just open yourself up to the next thing that happens. And, you know, be ready to grab it if it, if it, you know, suits you. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I have to ask you, um, so you had this in the, in the beginning when we were first talking, you had this moment of walking into an interview and, and having them ask you to do something totally different, um, but something that you're like, okay, let me try that. What is the strangest job you have done just because you've been open to doing whatever comes up. Huh. Let's think. Because um, I've done some strange ones. I know. Um, I mean, so yeah. have I. I mean, I'm thinking like yeah. when I first moved to the city, one of the, the one that always comes to my mind is um, I, I hula hooped in Central Park in a bikini to give uh, businessmen the clue on a scavenger hunt. I mean, it was like the whole thing was like insulting and mortifying. However, I was somehow paid $50 an hour and I thought this was like amazing. <laughs> And now that when I look is. back on it, I'm like, how did this happen? And why did you agree to it? But whatever, I was also like 22 and I was like, I'm yeah. making real money. Um, $50 an hour. $50 an hour. Now. I know. It's like, God only yeah. knows how many ramen that will buy. But <laughs> but what was, what was something, what was something for you? Yeah. I'm trying to think. I, um, because they didn't seem so strange at the time. And I'm like, I guess if I look back, um, Maybe they maybe some things were strange because, um, you know, working sample sales, that's strange. Working at warehouses, you know, packing up um, clothes to 
send to the place where you're setting up a store, you know, run, you know, being a salesperson, all those kind of things. You'd run into strange people, but that's not a strange job. It's it um, working behind, you know, um, at fashion shows. That's not everybody gets to do that, and that's um, kind of um, not strange, but it's different. I mean, model herder yeah. is pretty different, I have to say. Yeah. <laughs> Being a model herder was pretty different. <laughs> and, and, you know, we, we, at that time, well, they're, they're supermodels now, but, um, you know, I remember Michael Kors always had, that's, I, I don't know, I'm, he, I love his clothes, but he always had the superstars, um, supermodel stars or whatever they call them. Um, and um, they would be like, let Barbara talk to that one because she's not very nice. And I'm like, <laughs> me? <laughs> Wait, were you, were you the model whisperer? I was the model whisperer and a herder. Yes. <laughs> I think that counts. I think that counts okay. as, as pretty strange. Yes, yes. If you could go back to that person who is about to go into that interview, or maybe the person who came out of the interview, okay? the person who came out of the interview, if you could go back to that girl as who you are now, would you have any advice for her? No, I want her to give me advice. <laughs> she, <laughs> she had it going on. She, had it she, going was, on. she was so sure and she was so confident and she, was, she did not have a care or a worry. Um, she did not hold on to any of that kind of, you know, insecurity um, so she does not he- need to hear from me at all. <laughs> I need to hear from her. So I know that you started writing the comic again. Right? Yes, yes. In 2016, is that right? Yes. yes. Okay, so can you tell me about how that came about? Yes. Um, I I was thinking it was done. I was done with doing that. It, it was something that happened in my past. And again, I could say, well, um, you can't take that away from me. I, that's, that is something I did. And, um, and I was very um, involved with, you know, family and it takes up a lot of time. And by now, I'm like, I'm saying the, my job had gotten um, increasingly, um, I don't want to say difficult, but, you know, fact checking is no joke. It's, um, and, and then I'm, I'm managing fact checkers, you know, and I'm taking responsibility for what goes in the magazine. And this is going out to women who try, or Edmund, who are trying to figure out how to, you know, raise their kids. This is no small gig. Um, so it was very consuming, um, or, or I, I let myself feel it that way. Um, and so there was this one woman, Tara Nakashimaya Donahue, and she's like, hey, I want to do a, um, a show with women illustrators. Can I get you to be a part of it? And I was like, I haven't done anything, you know? And she was like, you don't have to do anything. I can use what you've done already. I was like, Okay. <laughs> Another time, I'm like, okay. Uh-huh. Um, it seems, I feel like, what's, what's his name? Pete Davison on um, Saturday Night Live. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> For life, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, so she started it, you know, and then she kept encouraging me to, she's like, well, you can do it again if you want to. She's like, how, and, and I talk about this in the book, but um, she's like, how about if I scan some of your old stuff and take out the words and you figure, you know, you could use that to make new words, you know, like, and I was like, well, that's interesting. And so she gave it to me and I never did it. And then (laughs) I was like, I was like, okay. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) um, But then um, I see this um, clown coming down a escalator talking about running for president. And I was like, are you kidding me? And then that said clown won the presidency, and um, there was no holding me back. You know, I was like, I have to comment on this. I don't don't have a venue, but I do have to comment on this. And and that's the first one I did. Um, And it's, you know, it's Lakeisha, the one with the dreads, and she's like, 
you know, America put white supremacy on the ballot. Look what happened, you know. Um, and, you know, the hashtag at the bottom is Obama backlash. And um, I did that on the job because I came home and showed my um, family and my son was like, when did you do that? I was like, in my, at, at work, <laughs> you know, I, I wouldn't, you know, you're not, I have a busy job. There I am doing this. But, um, but I used the, the, the same things that uh, Tara gave me, you know, the, um, the strips without the words. And I found something that worked with what I wanted to say. Um, and then, uh, you know, since then, there's been so many crazy things that I just can't help but put it out there. So, you know, I have Facebook, I don't, you know, I put it on Facebook and then somebody said, you should put it on Instagram. And I was like, okay, <laughs> again, okay. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> so I, I put it on Instagram. And um, so that's, that's how I got back into it. It's just the, the I couldn't uh, believe what was going on and, and, and I needed to have to make some comments about what was happening. It's because it's really kind of scary. Yeah, absolutely. And um, and in a way, it seems like those characters, I mean, how long was it between when you had um, had let the comic strip go and then when you started um, started writing again? Um, so let's see, it's 2005. And then I started again in 2016. So 11 uh, years. Okay, good. I was like, I can't do the math. <laughs> Still morning. <laughs> <laughs> so did those voices, I'm so curious about this always with people's art, did those voices go dormant in those 11 years? Because I know it really just sounds like it was a. It was more of a supply and demand thing. It was more of a newspapers go out of business, therefore this comic strip, we, we can't do it anymore. But did those voices actually go dormant in you in that time? Uh, no. Um, I would still have a lot of um, opinions about what was going on in the world, um, but I, I voiced them to, you know, my family and my friends. Um, I did not use, I did not use um, putting them down on paper and processing what I'm thinking through the uh, characters anymore. And um, once I did it again in uh, 2016, I was like, oh, yeah, I forgot how good this is. This is fun, you know, um, and it's this is fun and it's fun to, to um, um, have their expressions, work with their expressions on how they how they how they feel about certain things. And and it's fun to talk directly to um, an audience again. And um uh, and, you know, you put it on Facebook, you have, you know, you have nothing but friends on Facebook. So, <laughs> so everybody loves it. Oh, it's great. But um, actually, some of it's really quite good. And um, I think, you know, if I break my arm, pet myself on the back. Yeah. But, you know, a, a lot of it. And I was so pleased when I asked Drawn and Quarterly if they would include some of my post-syndication strips in the book. And um, because I knew they wanted to do the syndicated strips. And um, they agreed. And um, I was able to put in, you know, there's a couple of spreads of my after. And you could see, I think I have a little more of an edge to my voice. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, and I, um, I have a little bit more of, uh, I, I, but I don't, uh, well, it's an edge. I don't really, I'm not worried about editors. I'm not worried about how a, a newspaper editor might receive this or say we can't run this or whatever they might do. It was just me putting it out there on my Facebook <laughs> or my Instagram. And um, so they do have a little bit more of an edge. And, and, and I am a little bit more exasperated, you know, um, about the whole situation in the world. And, and I talk about it more freely um, now than I did before. Yeah, and there's also the inclusion of the hashtag, right, for subtext. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't understand hashtags, but it's so much fun to do those hashtags. You know, like hashtag white supremacy is the threat, you know, hashtag bar bar, you know, I'm like all these different hashtag, you know, flatten Trump. Um, <laughs> I had a lot of, I had a lot of, um, <clears throat> I had fun with the hashtags. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's also interesting because it's an evolution of those voices in a way. Yeah. Right. Yes. So do you, do, you, do you feel like the things that you are drawing now, you just said that you're not, um, without the interruption of an editor, right? Yeah. Um, 
there's a certain amount of freedom in what you can do now. Is that true? That that's absolutely true. Yeah, uh-huh. and it, and it's a it's a good feeling. It's a nice. Uh, I I um I'm an awful speller. Um, so I um have to get either my husband or my son to read them before I put them out. And um, I'm like, really? There's an I in that word? (laughs) (laughs) Everything I do, anytime you see an original, you can believe there's going to be some whiteout somewhere because I had to fix something. Thresholds is produced by Jordan Kistner and Drew Broussard. Music and editing by Laura Faye Oshawood of Arthur Moon. Our art is by Lorelai Grossman. Special thanks to our hosts at LitHub Radio. You can find more about our show, listen to past episodes, and get in touch at our website, thisisthresholds.com. Don't forget to rate and review our show at Apple Podcasts. Thanks. We'll see you next week. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.